Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with musician Lauren Wood about her work for the 1990 smash romantic comedy, Pretty Woman. celebrated singer-songwriter whose soothing voice has entranced millions of listeners, Lauren Wood has parlayed a variety of talents into a career spanning over four decades. Best known for a pair of adult contemporary smashes, Please Don't Leave, a duet with Michael McDonald, and the Pretty Woman soundtracks, Fallen, Wood also saw her music featured in films like Police Academy 3, Back in Training, as well as singing the end title song for the hit NBC sitcom, Just Shoot Me. Being as how Pretty Woman was released on March 23, 1980, making the day this episode drops its 30th anniversary, we couldn't have been more pleased to speak with Lauren Wood about Pretty Woman and her 40-plus years in the music business. Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. I do appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you about like the music you've recorded for like film and TV and all that, as well as your your new compilation, uh, The Warner Years. What was was the the song Wounded in Love for Police Academy Three? Was that like the first song you ever had featured in like film or TV, or were there things before that? I, as I look at my, um, what's it called, my, my resume, <laughs> it's hard to remember what came first, um, but there's a whole lot of, there's a lot of TV and, and some movies in here too. I'm not sure if it was my first. It, it was in there. Uh, it was one of the first, I think. And But that's, that's a, I love that song, Wounded in Love. It's never been on an album. And, uh, it's one of my favorites, like, it, you know, when I'm just singing for myself. At home, I sing it all the time because I love that song. It has a really cool jazz feel that I like. But um, who's that in? That was in First in Ten. Wow. 
OJ was in that. <laughs> oh my God. What I find really interesting is because like, so Wounded in Love is in First and oh. Ten. It's also in Police Academy 3, which came out in 86 and like also in 86. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, you had yes. Miami Vice. And you've never Vice. been on an album. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no. And like, why, why do you think that song like has never been on an album? I think when I was putting out different albums, it was maybe a little too jazzy for what I was doing um, when I put out my own albums. And, you know, when I was on Warner Brothers, I hadn't, you know, recorded it yet. And when I put out my albums, the first one I put out on my own, Lauren Wood again, you know, I had Lauren Wood record. It's called Lauren Wood. That was out in 1979, which is part of this compilation that's coming out, the Warner Brothers years. But on my own, I put out another one that was just, that had no title. It was just called Lauren Wood. It was put out in 1999. And I was trying to go more alternative because I had no idea. It was before the internet. It was before I knew how many people loved my laid-back, romantic, you know, melodic songs. And so I went in a whole new direction, having a blast, you know, having fun, trying something different, making songs a little more edgier, you know, and showing a little more of my Beatles influence. And then when I put out my next one, I don't know, I just didn't think it quite fit in there. I added a couple of my older songs, uh, Till You Let Your Heart Win, but uh, that one just, I don't know. I just overlooked it, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so like also in 86, like you have this song that you wrote performed by Gladys Knight and the Pips that's on Miami Vice. And then that ends up on like the second Miami Vice soundtrack. Like she's an icon. Like, what is it having like somebody like of that Gladys stature Knight, yeah. like pick one of your songs to perform? Well, it was absolutely it was fantastic. It was really great. I love Gladys Knight, but another person who is also who I absolutely idolize is Dusty Springfield, mm. and she also recorded "Send It to Me." Oh, <laughs> so I I had two like you know major major uh, you know vocalists that I absolutely adore who sang that song. And what was funny is. I wrote it, and it's, I've never done this before. I wrote it specifically for the Pointer Sisters. Oh. And I submitted it, and they loved it, and they took it for a while. And then um, Richard Perry said, no, we're going to change our direction. That sounds too much like our last album, so we're going to drop that song. So as soon as they dropped it, uh, Gladys Knight and Dusty picked it up immediately. So that was so cool. You know, I would have take, taken any of them, but, you know, <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> Well, I guess that does kind of make sense because that's like right around. I also, I'm sorry, I didn't want, um, before I forget, I didn't want to interrupt, but um, Johnny Mathis, another vocal hero of mine, recorded my song Fallen. So that was really <laughs> incredible, too. I love that. I've had some great vocalists record songs and, and people who um, share, maybe I don't consider a great vocalist, but she's a great entertainer. And she she's sung my songs, too. That was pretty cool. Cher doing a song. One of the things I'm kind of fascinated about is that, like, I was doing, like, a deep dive into your IMDb page. And I saw yeah. that you had done... <laughs> Did you hurt yourself? Yeah. I, I, I didn't hurt myself, like but, like, I almost, uh, like, unhinged my jaw when I saw that, like, you had done work on the score for the, the, the horror movie The Unholy. That one I don't know about. I mean, you found that in IMBD? Because <laughs> sometimes things pop up that I don't know about. 
What, what does it does it say? What song it was? Well, no. What it turns out, like I guess there was like a choir that was arranged and conducted by Harlan Collins for for the that's part of the score. And I was wondering if you were maybe part of that choir. You know, Harlan Collins is a really old friend of mine. He's so talented, and I absolutely adore him. And I may have sung in it. Uh, I've done so many things that it's really hard to remember all the sessions I did, but perhaps because he was a very, very close friend. So maybe I was in that choir. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have done so many things. And, but like one of the reasons like we're, we're talking is, is because, um, in, in on March 23rd, um, is the 30th anniversary of pretty woman and your song wow. fallen, um, which, predates that movie almost by like another 10 years because that was on because cat trick came out in in 81 like it 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 has to be like something of an experience to have a song plucked from an album that's almost a decade old and then become this new hit like right right it's it's really crazy when Warner when Warner Brothers asked me, they said, what do you think, uh, what should we release as a single on your Cat Trick album? And I said, well, my favorite song and my favorite vocal is, is Fallen. And they said, what? They said, there's no drums on that. It's not a real chorus. It's just a, a chorus line. I have fallen for you. They said, that'll never be a hit. So they released something else, <laughs> which failed, and then they dropped me. And oh. then 10 years later... <laughs> It gets picked up by the, you know, the people who pick the music for the Pretty Woman soundtrack, and suddenly I'm a genius. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I have no complaints about Warner Brothers. They, they were a fantastic record company at the time. I, I don't know what they are now, but at the time they were the, you know, the artist record company. They would let you be an artist. They would give you, at least they did for me, they would give me free reign. They would rarely say anything. They, you know, even though they would pick the singles, they would let me have free reign in the recordings. So that was really cool what? and wonderful. But it was amazing that, you know, so many years later, Fallen became this big hit from the Pretty Woman soundtrack. And it's, there's a funny story there, okay. too, is that um, my publisher submitted. There were two people at, um, at Disney who were the music uh, supervisors. The head was Chris Montan, and right below him was Mitch, Mitch Lieb. And Mitch Lieb got the song from my publisher, and they had put it up on the screen, and they were testing it with picture. And then, and they were digging it. And then Chris Montan walks in, and he has fallen in his pocket. And he was just getting ready to say, "I have the song for this for this moment in the movie." And one, you know. And then the other thing that happened was they were going to have an, a bigger artist because at the time I wasn't a signed artist. Mm. So they were going to have a signed artist um, sing the song. And Gary Marshall said, "No way." I want this version in my movie, end of the discussion. So The Fallen had to be in that movie. It was so weird how three things aligned, and it was my version of Fallen in that movie by two people, and the third was the director who insisted it had to be my version. So that was cool and crazy and out of left field. What's... And sometimes that's how things happen for me. They just come out of left field. It's nothing that I do. You know, it's no action that I take. You know, they just happen, you know, and then things that I, you know, kill myself over, nothing happens, you know. Yeah. And then things will happen out of left field. And it's like, that's really cool. And it's so that was like a incredible miracle. And it soundtracks like such like a, an important 
part of the film and like you know they're they're in the hotel room and then they're they're in the limo on the way to the opera your song literally leads into la traviata so like, yeah. <laughs> that, that is that is that is a lot well, of emotional maybe it's heavy lifting of my classical piano background i don't know <laughs> it just fits so well it, what do you think it fits so well yes oh thank you thank you now one of the things like i also and like, they they used to advertise the movie with it too so I, it, really became so identified with the movie. It so did. I, I was astonished to discover, like, how much your voice has been in things that I have enjoyed. Like, I mean, I watched, like, Just Shoot Me started, like, right oh. my senior year of high school, <laughs> and I watched that show, like devotedly and then you know when it went into reruns and things like that like my wife and i were having a discussion the other night when i was talking about this interview about uh -huh. i was like she did the end title theme for just shoot me and she's like oh my god i forgot how good that show was we should go back and revisit it <laughs> thank you thank you like, so much that was that was really fun that was a really fun uh, little ditty to sing and we were trying you so there was so much reaction to that song that we were trying to get the rights the writer, I didn't write that. I just sang, I sang it for, um, oh God, it was so long ago. I can't, I can't, I'm forgetting their names. Uh, but they used to hire me for a bunch of commercials. I did like Nike and Cadillac <laughs> them, I think. But I think I did Nintendo commercials with them. But so many people loved that song and they got so many requests for a, a single to be put out. But we couldn't find the rights to it. It had just, you know, when things go to like TV shows and the publishing is split up, no one could find the actual way to get the rights to it to um, to actually release it as a single. So there it is, a little ditty, <laughs> which I enjoy when I, when I hear it and I still get royalties. And, you know, I go to my mailbox and it's coming in. It still plays all around the world. So like um, in the in the in the early 2000s, you did like work for uh, for Disney um, on things like the Tigger movie and Little Mermaid 2 and Peter Pan 2. What's the experience of like getting to sing for some of these like the, these properties that are are so I iconic for so many people like in the cases of like tigger or peter pan i mean this is like multiple generations of people have uh, uh att attachments to these right, right. films well um how i got into this thing of being in animation was that i used to do little voices just to get my way with people you know because i <laughs> Can I please have dinner at the Indian restaurant tonight, please? And then I would get my way because people would think it was so cute. They had to, you know, do what I said. So my manager said to me, you know, you don't just need to use those voices to manipulate your friends to do what you want. She says, you can go out there and have fun and make money in voiceover. So I started doing voiceovers and I actually did a lot of voices for Klasky Cupo. I did a lot, you know, some... Um, I did some Rugrats, I did uh, some Jackie Chan, and that's where I just did voices. And then I got hired to do some singing with voices, and that was for Disney. So it was an absolute blast. I also got to write for, um, what was it called, Jungle Cubs? I wrote a song and actually had to sing, and I'm trying to remember what animal we were playing. I think it was like a, a, a little monkey singing to an ape something in jungle cubs so and i love animals so that was cool anyways yeah so i got into voiceovers and that's how i got to sing um on disney things too sometimes i would just sing in a straight voice in a choir or something 
But a lot of times I was doing a little fish or some kind of little animal. I was singing in their voices. So it was a blast. I loved voiceovers. The people were really fun. You know, the people you hang with was voiceovers. I mean, I love musicians too, but voiceovers, you could be in a room with maybe five people and you'll sit here and you'll hear 20 voices going on because they're always <laughs> using their different voices. And they're really uh, fun, happy, peppy people. They're really fun people. So I had a blast doing that. Really cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading through the, the bio that your publicist sent over and like there are all of these sessions that you've been on like you've worked um for you you did work on frank zappa records um loved him he was a he was a good friend and he was a genius and a great guy and he was a workaholic and he wasn't a, he didn't do drugs he didn't do drugs he didn't drink he just wrote music and recorded day in and day out and he was hysterically funny i loved him it, I'm he was curious. one of our big heroes and you did, you worked with Devo? I'm sorry, what? You worked with Devo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Worked with Devo. Um, uh, I sang on some of their things, and uh, I, I knew Mike Mothersbaugh really pretty well. And also, what was interesting is, <clears throat> I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, it was Rugrats. Uh, Mike Mothersbaugh, um, now I had sung with Devo before, so I had already known um, Mike and, and some of the other guys. Um, but Mike Mothersbaugh, did the music for Rugrats. Right. Oh, he's done so, when so I went much in, stuff. So when I went in to sing for Rugrats, because at one point I did, um, I was playing, uh, what was his name? I was playing a reindeer. And Pee Wee Herman, I was singing a duet with him. And Pee Wee's a friend of mine. So it was, it was super fun. So I'm in there with Mike Mothersbaugh and Pee Wee and me. I'm, playing, I'm singing as a reindeer. And he was singing as an elf, I think. <laughs> and Mike Mothersbaugh had written the music. So... That was a hoot. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, like you've worked with Pee Wee Herman like all the way back in like the Pee Wee's Big Adventure days, right? Yeah, yeah. I knew him really well. We made this. Um, I was. I used to um, hang out with a couple of my friends. Uh, both of them. One of them just passed away Christmas Eve. Allie Willis, most incredible writer. And speaking of soundtracks, uh, she wrote uh, the, the music to The Color Purple. She Brenda, to the musical, uh, the Broadway musical, uh, The Color Purple. She, Brenda Russell, and Stephen Bray. But anyways, she also wrote September, Boogie Wonderland, The Friends Game. She just passed away recently. It was horrifying. But anyways, she and Ed Millis, uh, another friend of mine, passed away in the early days of AIDS. He died of AIDS many years ago. We were uh, fans of uh, kick and, and bad bad movies, B-movies. <laughs> so we made our own B-movie. It was called They Must Be Told. <clears throat> and Pee Wee was in that, and we had all these uh, fun people in it. Pee Wee Herman, another friend of mine, uh, Buck Henry, who just passed away. Actually, like a month ago, Buck Henry was in it, Linda Ronstadt was in it, Elvira, Bud Court, Karen Black, Tony Basil, who was a brilliant choreographer. Oh, yeah. Um, really great people were in it, but we were making a B-movie, uh, and it was really funny. <clears throat> and I forget how I started this. What was the question? Uh, just like, I went off on a tangent. Oh, no, 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 no. That was fascinating. About some of the oh, oh, Pee Wee Herman, and yes. Uh, in this movie, uh, they must be told, it came out, you know, it just showed, you know, a couple times at a local theater, and you know, it, was, it had a cult following, and it, and it was the same time as Pee Wee's Big Adventure, so it actually showed up in the paper. You know, <laughs> they must be told right next to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It was pretty funny. Well, like you've 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 done so much work and everything, and now there's this 
compilation that Blixa Sounds is putting out that it, it that just mm-hmm. came out um uh on on Valentine's Day appropriately enough. Uh thank you. <laughs> called uh The Warner Brothers Years. Um how involved were you like in like deciding like the how this whole I, thing went together? Every step of the way because that's a kind of that's the kind of hairpin I am. <laughs> I'm really into great sound. So I was there, um, you know, and of course, you know, I, I had the last say in the mastering. I was there for all for the sessions for mastering. And this record sounds fantastic. Uh, a brilliant guy at D2 Mastering in Los Angeles named Dan Hirsch, we mastered this and he did a brilliant job. He just and it just mesmerized me because I was already I hadn't heard these songs in years and just sitting there hearing them being played back in the studio sounding incredible again like they used to when they when I sit in the studio so many years ago and hear them in playback and it was like oh I'm so happy they sound like this but also the album cover that was my that was my concept for the album cover I was trying to do like an Andy Warhol type thing and every bit of the cover and the booklet all you know had to run through me and the art director we worked together so yes I'm a, what you call a hands-on kind of gal. It's always <laughs> art before commerce. I don't care what things cost. They have to be perfect. They have to be beautiful. They have to sound great. And they have to look unique and colorful and beautiful. Well, I think, like, I like I saw that cover, and it's just, like, it's very striking. And it, lo- it, like, I like the fact that it, like, very much encapsulates your sound because, like, your name on it, like, has this very sort of... Uh, I don't. I. I don't even know a good like. It's very. It looks like something off like an old jazz record from mm-hmm. like the fifties or sixties, which I think it yes. like touches on some of your yes, sound. I'm but a, then a, it has like I'm this kind of new wavy of thing. 50s. My whole house is decorated <laughs> in the fifties. So yes, fifties is what I go for. Fifties, sixties. You know. Yeah. But thank you for seeing that. <laughs> Yeah, and then like the Warhol thing is like very, very sixties, and so like, mm-hmm. um, but like you know, like it's also very sort of uh, like an eighties take on it, and I think like mm-hmm. like many people remember your work from that time, so like it, it, it definitely hits all of those points really well. What yeah, other? Thank sort you. Of... I'm I'm a big fan of the music from uh, from the well. First of all, I love the Beatles in the sixties. And I love Motown. Before that, I was raised on um, musicals. Richard Rogers was a major <laughs> influence on me. Harry Belafonte. My parents used to play Harry Belafonte, and they'd play musicals, Richard Rogers musicals all the time. So those were my really beginning roots. And then it moved into the Beatles in the 60s. And then later it became like some, you know, I used to love um, uh, Laura Nero, Joni Mitchell, mm. James Taylor, uh, Paul Simon, Randy Newman is a major idol, and Frank Zappa. And, you know, I think I had some really cool, extremely musical influences. And I loved music when it was melodic. <laughs> so I get a little frustrated sometimes when, when things aren't so mo- melodic anymore, you know? So I always I always ask this when somebody brings up like Richard Rogers. Are you mm. Rogers and Hart or Rogers and Hammerstein? Richard uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. When he worked with Hart, it was cool. And and Hart wrote 
really clever, great lyrics. But when he wrote with Hammerstein, he he had he had developed a style that you could, you hear three notes and you go, oh, mm-hmm. that's Richard Rodgers. It became so distinctive. His chord changes, his melodies were gorgeous and distinctive. I mean, March of the Siamese Children from <laughs> King and I. Woo! What a melody. <laughs> Carousel, if, if, I, if I Loved You. Oh. Uh, just fantastic songs of Richard Rogers. I always wanted to meet him, but he, he, he died before I had the chance to ever find my way to him and tell him that there were people in pop music who adore him, you know, who idolize him. Anyways, yes, Richard, I mean, Richard Rogers with Hammerstein, Rogers and Hammerstein. That's a wonderful answer. I love that. What sort of uh, projects do you have on the horizon? Uh, on the horizon, uh, probably traveling and scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have, I do have some songs. I have some songs that I've written, and I have a few songs that are really old songs that have never been recorded properly. And there's things like Wounded in Love, a few of those that are laying around, too. I, I do have an album's worth, but I'm waiting for uh, the trend in music to come mm. back to. Possibly with, I don't know, Billie Eilish is really interesting. Um, she's visually interesting. I love it that she wears wacky, baggy clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love her style, and I, she's a whisper singer. I dig that. And she has some songs that are really melodic, you know. So if I see something happening in the horizon where I see, well, maybe I should record another album, then I'd probably do it. But for right now, I have so many, I have, I've written so many songs and I've recorded so many things. I'm trying to take a little breather, take a little break and, and travel a little bit because I love animals. And I want to go, tra- I'm traveling to go see animals. I'm going to go to Africa as soon as possible. And I go scuba diving because I love coral, which are actually animals. And I love uh, all the animals underwater, the fish and the, I mean, some are uh, like whales. I think whales are mammals. Dolphins are mammals. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for taking time out of uh, your day to speak with me. This has been really delightful, and I can't wait for thank everyone you so else much, to hear Nick. it. You're a doll. Thank you so much. Thanks to Lauren Wood for talking with me. You can find the singer at her website, which is laurenwood.com. Her new CD, The Warner Brothers Years, is out now on Blixa Sounds and features both her 1979 self-titled album as well as 1981's Cat Trick. You can find the links to purchase all the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. 
We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod and can be found on Instagram at From and Inspired By. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks, talking with author Grady Hendricks about his new novel, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Until then, thanks for listening.